You win some, you lose some. It's how you lose that makes the difference. We're going to go over what that was today. Follow up from the the fallout, really, of the loss to the Bengals last night. If you missed our live stream, we're going to follow it all up with more detail today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. It's not a fun Monday, but we're going to dig into it and see what we can pull out as to what this particular team has to do to get past this opponent. They are going to get another chance at him. We're going to go through that today. Look at who did what, when, where, and how. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL 33 and RGR Football. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out another Locked On show. Could be the draft show. Could be any show. Today, because we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And yes, thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. And this is not going to be, Ryan, you said it best yourself. This is not going to be a fun show just because losses are never fun to talk about. And losing to the same team three times in one calendar year is definitely not something fun to talk about calendar doesn't bother me let's just get pissed let's let's be real let's just get pissed off because this is a disappointment probably worse than it. i know the last one was a playoff game, a loss that didn't let you go to the super bowl so i can't say it's worse than that but it's pretty aggravating right given what you've done given the architecture of this team given all the effort that's been put in to prepare for this and i still feel in some ways like i did last night and there's a couple of revelations today that that honestly twisted me up a little bit more but where do you want to start? Well, let's just start with the pass rush because that's one of what the biggest problems rush? with the head. Exactly. Oh, yeah, right. The the attempted pass rush. This this is what it comes down to for me. And as I look at the pressures, they did get 11 as a team, which is not the bottom that they've ever had for output, but it's definitely low. Rookie George Kalops is the only guy who actually got home. He and Chris Jones were, were pretty close there. It could have been Chris Jones. But a lot of this falls on Chris Jones because he, for the first time, wasn't able to produce more than two pressures. This is not typical for him. And unfortunately, as Chris goes, this defensive front goes. It's very difficult for you to say, hey, Chris, just just take all these double teams. Just put it all on your back and we'll make up for it with the other guys, with maybe some blitzes, whatever. They weren't able to do that. And so if Chris Jones can't get it done, it seems this front four falls apart. And that's the bigger problem. It's a huge problem. They have to be able to get home in other places. And they've been able to do it most of the rest of the season. So for them to go into this game and to produce as little pressure as they did on Joe Burrow, it's a little surprising. I know he gets the ball out quick, but even when he held on to the ball, he really wasn't hit near what you would want on defense. Yeah, I, I have to agree. When you look at actual win percentage, and that is how many times you beat the initial block across from you, George Kaloptis was like 5% better than Chris Jones. And that's the big difference. They only had, I think, a grand total of, I think Chris Jones had 37 pass rush snaps. He got two pressures out of it for a guy that honestly has been ascending until this point this week. I'm, I'm a little baffled by that. And I have to say that it felt like not just a personal performance. It felt like the whole front was kind of flat to begin with. Maybe it was overload mentally, making sure that you mind your gaps, mind your assignments. I don't know. But in the end, when you can't even move the the quarterback off of his spot, you're not going to have any success. No, and I think you saw that at different times as well. You start start looking at guys like Nick Bolton, who was a very instinctual player, and you saw him a tick late 
several times during that game. You saw several players hesitating, and it really cost Kansas City at different times. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly did. And the problem comes down to a, a couple of things. When your second best player on this roster in Legereus Need misses two tackles in the game, that's a rarity. You have that compared uh, with the, the rarity of the, the Kelsey fumble on offense. You have all these things. Like There was a couple of things that all stacked up mm-hmm. to really like feed into a unique situation here. Your second best player on the roster. Okay. I'm sorry. I meant the defense, but hey, I'm a little per Twitter today, so it is what it is. Okay. Well, I just wanted to point out you said second best player on the roster because I think Snead's great, but yeah. yeah. Sorry. I meant defensive. Apologies. Um, but, but honestly, that's the kind of frustration that's here. And I, I know you guys are frustrated as well. And that's what it comes down to. We all feel the same way. The question becomes, why did it happen and how do you not let it happen next time? And I think well, the big thing for me is they weren't, they didn't look like they're ready. Like you expected that this game to, for this game to have fire. You saw it once or twice early on in the game mm-hmm. and it didn't really look like Kansas city was the ones that were putting in the, that were really putting that fire in. And this is a game that absolutely everybody on the team should have been fired up for. I, Even I, the guys I, that weren't here last year. Yeah, I thought if it, if it had been a thing, that was exactly my thought. If it had been a thing where the rookies weren't quite like bringing it or, uh, you know, it, they just like looked as though the speed and the intensity was overwhelming them, then I would feel like, okay, th- like that's built in. That's what happens when you play this many rookies. I didn't feel like that. Yes, they lost some reps last night, but it was not because they were overwhelmed. It was not because they didn't bring it and they weren't prepared yeah, honestly, it, it was some of the veterans that felt like which is oh, a great sign, oh. by the way. It is, and it is. The veterans that. shouldn't have been that low to begin with. Well, that's true. But I'm just it, talking it, about the rookies. It felt like like the guys who've been in this league for a while understand what happens in this league, and that most times the law averages work out, and you don't get in a situation where you can't figure out what to do to get a win. Uh, this was a hair win for them. This was a, a, a hair loss. If they if they cut out a mistake or two here or there, there's definitely a different outcome on this ballgame. Now, you can probably argue that from the other side as well, but there's a lot of specifics. We're going to talk a little bit more about the offensive side of the ball as well because I think there's enough blame to go around. I think it is more squarely on the defense, but there's also plenty on the offense. It's a team game, and we got to remember that. There's a lot of finger-pointing today, and I think sometimes that's it's, it's a little hat in hand, but... We're going to get to that. First, I want to tell you guys about if the Chiefs need to go out and make a hire from our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs, let me tell you that that's the easiest way for you to get something done. If you have a potential hiring, uh, you know, you want to grow your small business, you want to find quality candidates that can help you, whether they're available. It's easy with LinkedIn Jobs because all you got to do is let it know and it finds the people for you. All you got to do is talk about like the specifics of what you want, make an easy post, and then add that job and the purple Hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile will spread the word for you and let people know that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it super easy to find the candidates and sort them out based on what you're looking for. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one site in developing quality hires and leading the competitors. All you got to do is check it out and find all the quality candidates you want faster and easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. And post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply, but it makes life easier. 
I wish life would be easier if I could just put out an ad, maybe on LinkedIn jobs. I, I don't know. I could probably do that. Um, guys who want to win. That's what I'm looking for. You need to be talented. You don't have to be uber talented, but you got to be talented, right? I, I think somewhere along the way, what I saw on the offensive side of the ball was we're going to weather the storm. We're going to weather the storm. We're going to execute when we need to. This time it didn't happen. And this fourth quarter was not what we've seen in years past. And honestly, this whole season has been a little bit up and down in the fourth quarter. Is it gotten to the point where Air Mahomes isn't enough? Um, Kelsey Osolo isn't enough. Like you have to have more guys stepping up and wanting to win and bringing that fire every week. Well, if you're just talking offensively, I think that's part of it. And honestly, when I start looking at this team in, in that performance, I think the reality is, is that you have to be getting better results from who you're paying. And obviously there's a lot of, there's been a lot of contention about Frank Clark being in Kansas city. They were going to pay. He was going to be on the salary cap this year, whether or not he played at the number he's at. So him being here is better than not. Uh, but that's a big problem with what they're paying him and not getting any kind of production from it. Uh, and I'm not specifically trying to call him out, but he is one of the guys that they're paying. And I guess that's really my point is they have to, with Mahomes' new contract, you have to make sure that the guys that you pay are going to be producing for you week in and week out. And you can't have instances where they're not. And this is a situation that is exactly like that. And Chris Jones is another one of those guys. And I love Chris Jones. I think he plays fantastic for this team. I'm not going to put this blame on his shoulders. I get that it's a team game and all that, but you have to have those guys that are available and, and ready to go. And, and another one was missing on the offensive side and Joe Tooney. Yeah. And another, you know, another Iron Man that had not missed a game until this year. And now he's missed two. Hopefully he's back for the, the Broncos game. But, you know, if he's not, he's not. And, and you've got to find somebody else to step in and, and be okay. And maybe Al Grady is going to be that guy. But you are paying Orlando Brown. You are paying, you know, you are paying guys to do things. And, and BS is another one. He dropped a touchdown. Now, does it matter that they came back and scored another, you know, they scored a touchdown after that drop? No, I guess it really doesn't. But he did drop a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's a catch he cannot afford to drop. Yeah, but he dropped a long. Teams. Yeah, he dropped a, a long, a long ball, and then came back the very next play and caught the next one that was thrown. And and that goes. Those two players in particular, we know, have been had this up and down thing. Like we have to be concerned about that long term. In this ball game, I just didn't feel like. Obviously, they they were up and down. I, I didn't think anybody really raised raised their elevated their play specifically in reaction to what the Cincinnati Bengals did to them. Uh, I wanted to see more fire from the offensive line. I wanted to see more fire from, honestly, I I thought Juju looked pretty good for a guy who was in the protocol recently. I think he got dinged up again. I know he came back, but I can't say that he was hundred percent there. I I need him to be solid enough so that he can bring that fire. Somebody's got to do it because there just isn't enough all going in one direction. And I do want to mention one thing before we move on from the defense at all. Uh, kudos to Chris Jones in the run game because he did have the most stops on this team. Stops were hard to find against that running game. And for those of you that want to talk about it wasn't Joe Mixon, it's Samaja P. Ryan, that's not necessarily a huge downgrade. <laughs> P. Ryan Thank gives you, you that. P. Ryan gives you I less agree. flexibility, less versatility. But he's extremely good at running downhill. 
And if you can't take that away, you can't hit him. This is what happens and will always happen. Well, and I would also say the same thing that I was thinking when I saw people complaining about P. Ryan getting 100 yards. What are you going to stop? What what pick your poison on defense? What are you going to stop? Are you going to try to stop Burrow going for four hundred and throwing four or five touchdowns on you, or are you going to stop the running game? Because they're going to do one or the other. You can't stop both. That you don't have the talent on this defense to be able to stop both. And if you want to be able to have the talent on the defense, then you're going to have to give up some stuff on the offense to be able to get it done. That's just the reality of the way this this league is going to work, especially with Mahomes' contract. Yeah, I mean it, that's that is what it comes down to. It's one of those things that they are a talented team. They are a Super Bowl contender. They were in it last year. Let, let's not forget, this team might actually be functionally better than a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. So as much as I had this, I had the Chiefs beating them, I thought that they would get it done. I still feel that it was pretty close to, to in terms of like the decision points, the uh, the game-turning plays. I do think that. But let's take let's take a second – and just go back in time. They only scored 20 against the, the Titans last week. Before that, 37 against the Steelers, 42 against the Panthers, 32 against the Browns, 35 against the Falcons. The Chiefs kept them to 27. I mean, this was a this was a decent outing. It wasn't great, but it was decent. It was enough to win, and it didn't happen. Yeah, and I think the other thing that you look at is you look at this, you look at this Bengals offense. And they have three wide receivers that are very good. Tyler Boyd doesn't get enough credit. He's fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are fantastic wide receivers. Uh, Kansas City actually got a little bit of a break when Hayden Hurst had to go out. And I'm not saying he's a great tight end, but he's better than their second tight end and mm-hmm. gives them a little bit more of an option. So Kansas City actually had a little bit of a favor when that happened. But you look at this pass offense, and this is – they are built to play this way. They are built to do what they did in this game and they're built to attack corners. And you're sitting here with three rookie corners expecting them to be able to shut these guys down. And I was actually very happy with the way they played. I thought they played very well considering the the circumstances and how much time Burrow was given at different times. And the other thing that I will say is when Kansas city blitzed Burrow was generally hitting his hot immediately. Mm -hmm. He knew the blitz was coming he knew what the defense was trying to do. That's partially on scheme, too. It is. And and you're absolutely right. Give give credit where it's due. Getting that ball out, throwing hot routes open, that makes a big difference. That is part of what happened to a couple of the veterans in this team. We do need to focus on the rookies because there was a lot of negative towards them last night around Chiefs universe. I want to turn that around and tell you exactly what happened. We'll do that on the backside of this. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a new slate of football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of Block Forever available on Locked On NFL right now. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level. He gives football fans and insiders look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. You'll hear Christian McCaffrey talk about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football and Juju Smith-Schuster give his most honest opinions on other players and positions in the league. Ryan and guests discuss topics like player psyches, sports betting, playing through pain, being a leader, and how to deal with combative teammates. Here, nothing is out of bounds. 
Head over to Locked On NFL for a sneak peek of Block Forever or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcast. Available everywhere right right now. Audible, get in the game. I would like to get in the game. Uh, it wouldn't last long, but I'd like to get in it. That'd be fun. Uh, would be fun. That, that said, the rookies, clearly, we've been talking a lot about them because they were forced into action. It isn't just... Uh, George Kaloptis, who I think held up reasonably well. Didn't play a ton. Obviously, Carlos Dunlap was out there quite a bit. It was the secondary. And when you take a look, who was targeted, who played well, who didn't, a couple of things really stand out to me. And everyone was kind of down uh, on Joshua Williams around the, the universe last night. I want to point out a couple of things. No, it wasn't the great night for the rookie. He took it on his chin. I think when he stood up, he was out on social media, you know, uh, taking responsibility for it on Monday. Which is huge. It is. It is. That, that's that's the core that you want going forward. He also was one of the only guys that actually got a PBU. So kudos to him on that side. McDuffie did as well. The two of them had very different nights uh, because, and this is what I want to highlight, because of the matchups and because I think more of the receivers themselves than the DBs that they were facing, they went and they chose to go at Williams quite a bit and at Legereus with Chase, but also with Boyd. Boyd's got that length and that size that gives him the advantage. What they chose not to do, they chose not to go at Trent McDuffie. They targeted him three times. He gave up two receptions for a total of 17 yards. That's it. So if you're concerned about the rookie class, just take that away that this rookie is at least a, a guy that you can project into being a top 10 player in the future. Yeah. And I think the other big thing and this is something that you watch when they threw the ball at McDuffie. Uh, he was making plays and making sure that people were out of bounds when they were trying to come down with the ball. Yep. I mean, you say what you want about the Jamar chase one handed catch. That was fantastic. Obviously he didn't come it down in, in the bounds with the ball, but the point is, McDuffie knew where the sideline was, used it to his advantage. And I think he had another one that maybe didn't count because I think there was a penalty, but he did something similar on that one as well. And it's my whole point is he's smart enough to know that you can use those types of things to your advantage and be able to be in good position uh, and keep a wide receiver from getting a reception that really could hurt them. Yeah. I mean, in Boyd worked the middle. He was pretty good at that. The other tight end, Cox, was okay, made a couple of, of plays. It was P. Ryan. It was the dump down. It was the ability to, because of the scheme calls, have everybody so backed off and have so much ground to cover that the dump offs were really working. Nick Bolton had a terrible night, his worst night in coverage as a professional, to tell you the truth. Um, it, it was very difficult, and they attacked him as much as anyone. Uh, he was targeted seven times and, and gave up seven receptions. That's that's a little misleading. So people who are harping on that today don't necessarily dig into that because of the position on the way that he was used. There's no way that he's covering man on man. Cause we've talked about that man on man, even against P Ryan is not something that you want Nick Bolton doing. So he's going to give up the reception and then it's up to him to not allow yards. The problem was he wasn't very effective at that. And a lot of folks down on him today. I think he's going to snap back, but this was something I think we need to expect in the future of how teams are going to try to attack this team. And it is going to be on the wings. It is going to be with some of the running backs, tight ends, and maybe slots trying to flare horizontally rather than vertically. Yeah, it's definitely something to watch and, and definitely something to take into consideration. Uh, you look at where Kansas City's weak, and we've talked about it since Bolton was drafted, that this was not going to be a strong suit. I'm really shocked that it took this long for him to be, really be 
I hate saying it this way, but abused as, as bad as he was in that game. I agree he didn't have a good game. Uh, was it as horrible as it could have been? No. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, obviously seven for seven, that's that's going to be rough as a linebacker. Um, you, you have to make adjustments, and, and that's where Kansas City fell short on offense and on defense. They didn't make adjustments enough. They got the two touchdowns in the third quarter, which was a lot more than they did last year against the Bengals in the third or fourth quarter. So that was that was a good adjustment for them. But, you know, you have to continue to play the game that you know that you need to play. And to be fair, Mahomes was a little bit responsible for them not getting that uh, – him getting sacked at that very end of the game. Mm-hmm. If he throws the ball to McKinnon, maybe this game has a different outcome. Am I putting it all on Mahomes? No, I'm not. No. But – He's got to continue, and, and there were times last night when you're watching the game and you saw him try to throw the ball downfield where shorter dump-offs were available. That's on him. That's something he has to fix. And my big takeaway from that, from uh, from re-watching the game, the Bengals switched it up on him. Uh, I think that uh, – I don't have the, the full counts yet, but I do believe – they dropped into eight only six times on the night. Um, I think Nate Tice confirmed that. Maybe it was five. I can't remember what he said uh, this morning, but that was a that was hours ago. Who knows what happened? Uh, but I think what that did is it gave Patrick uh, the verity, gave him a little bit more trouble. Like he thought he was getting X, and he ended up getting Y. And I think in then his default mode when you reset Patrick Mahomes, he looks deep. When he had been disciplined the last few games and making sure he hits the dump-offs that were there, when he did get that look, he didn't have the right routes on. He didn't just take the yardage he could get and and slide and take five yards and be good. He defaulted to his normal psyche and wanted to go deep. And I think that they did a very good job of doing what was a more mature Holmes damage by not giving him as much of the confounding look that he's learned to adapt to. Yeah, and it was shown before the game. He has learned to adapt to that to eight drop eight look. Uh, now, the bigger key that I think they also needs to be looked at, and this is actually a positive in my mind, they were very effective against the Bengals in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I did not expect them to be as effective as they were, and, and mainly because you start talking about this Bengals defense, and when you start dropping eight into a red zone situation where you have the boundaries and the back line to help you, that makes it a lot harder. So uh, to be as effective as they were in the red zone, I think that's a positive for Kansas City. They're going to be that's something that they can take away from this game and kind of get an idea as to how to attack in the future. Uh, but Mahomes also, I think, was responsible for the why they ran the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with Pacheco's run, I think that that was probably something that, that he helped get in. You know, his run in to get a touchdown as well. I mean, he needs to keep adapting. He needs to keep looking at what the defense is giving him and go with that. And obviously we could talk all day about him having issues with, you know, pass rush getting in his face and all that. I understand that that's reality. That's probably going to be the way it is until they can address the tackle situation. That's not going to be this year. And it's going to be, hopefully it could be next year. Yeah. Let's hope we'll talk free agency and draft here coming up. Um, I am. Hopefully in February. Yeah, well into February, that's for sure. I haven't started on the tackles yet. Uh, I've been focused on the defensive end position. You guys will get a lot of of edge rusher info from me early in this draft cycle. But I want to go back to something that you said because you you hit a nerve with me. Chiefs were three for four in red zone trips. 
75%. That is well, well above average. What they did on the other side, they only allowed three in, in the red zone. Three of seven were the Bengals. And so as much as we're talking about the defense not quite getting it done, again, they held them to 27 below their average for the last six weeks and did a good enough job to win this ballgame, especially given they had seven opportunities in the red zone and the Chiefs only let them in three times. <clears throat> so as, as much as there were hiccups and problems on the defensive Which, side, as a unit, they rallied. Well, and that's a fantastic point because Kansas City has one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. And they were able to get it done multiple times against one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. Yeah. So, and, you know, the, the other thing we can take away from this is you just said it, 75% on offense. That's fantastic. If you can do that week in, week out, you're going to win a lot of your games. And the one thing that I will say in that regard is Kansas City had been slowing down in the red zone over the past couple of weeks. That was something they talked about on the broadcast. If they can continue being at 75%, uh, for the next five weeks and they can continue to get back on a roll headed into the playoffs, they'll be in a good situation. Yeah, I uh, agreed. I mean, in, at the end, this was kind of a flipped game. The Bengals were more efficient throwing the ball, uh, 8.7 per play. Chiefs were more efficient running the ball last night at five and a half. That's what it comes down to is you've honestly, it, it's sad for me a little bit because I liked the balance that they brought. This is what I've talked about the Chiefs being able to do that should help them. But in this particular one, even though the Bengals ran for only 4.5 a carry because they, they ran it nine more times and they just grounded out and they got those, those particular plays. Interestingly enough, one of my other qualms, only got six snaps for Leo Chanel, only got seven snaps for Brian Cook. I think both of those could have helped in the run game, to tell you the truth. And that ended up being something that, the, the grind is what got them eventually. And partial to P. Ryan, but partial to the personnel that you were using too. Darius Harris had a bad night missing tackles. Nick Bolton missed some tackles. Overall, this defense was terrible last night. I, I The total is – it's hard for me to actually say this out loud. There's 14 missed tackles last night, and Dan oh, Sorensen God. wasn't on the field, folks. So that's concerning. That's problem. And, and that's and to me, honestly, that goes back to lack of focus. And that's a huge problem considering what this game should have meant for this team. Yeah. I, I actually consider it I, like you have to save up your, your padded practices for the CBA and everything. Like this has to be a padded practice week before the next game against the Bengals. And yes, there will be another, a next game before the Bengals. We're going to talk about how they turn the page on this one and prepare for that next game with Matt tomorrow, because that is going to be a matchup that comes. There's a lot of AFC minutia that has to go on. Before we see the seed set, Chiefs are still well within striking distance of getting the first seed back. That will help them get a little bit of rest and I think regroup a little bit for when they do get to see these Bengals again. We know that you're frustrated. What didn't we cover that you want to know about? We will do the research and let you know. Hit your comments down below on the YouTube channel. Hit the sub over there as well. And, you know, if you dig this one, hit the like. And join us on the audio platforms as well because we're there every day for you. We'll be back with Matt tomorrow. We move on after that and we get ready for the next W. It is coming. Thanks for listening to us today.